DJ and PK brought to you in part by Action Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Spring into action now. Mention this ad and receive $33 off any service. Call Action today at 801-833-3333. That's 801-833-3333. Time now to talk Utah football with Frank Dolce, insider for the Zone Sports Network, the former Ute quarterback, broadcaster. Frank, good morning. Good morning, DJ. Morning, PK. Hope you guys Hello. are doing well. Great. So I was uh, pretty excited for a big weekend of football and the Utah-Arizona game, and then uh, Lucy pulled the football away from Charlie Brown, and I landed flat on my back. Should I try to kick the ball this week, or should I dial down my expectations? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I think we'll uh, – I don't know. I, I'm going to approach each week with the same kind of enthusiasm and then just deal with the disappointment if <laughs> it's canceled, I guess. Um, I, I, the way that the Pac-12 has managed this, I, I mean, I, I wonder if we're going to see a team in, in, on either in the South or the North, maybe both, that ends up with a three-game season. Um, it's not, it, and, and there's no leeway, like you guys have mentioned plenty of times, to, to make up for lost games. So I, I just think as we look back on this, a year down the road, maybe sooner, we'll just say this. Well, this was kind of managed funny by the by the Pac-12 and didn't give the teams a real opportunity to get out and compete. So yeah, I can see that scenario happening. It really calls into mind, as far as me, the legitimacy of an actual conference race. If you're only playing three or four games, I don't see how you could declare yourself a winner of anything beyond those individual games. No, I I think by the by by the way this is occurring, the, the Pac-12 has just removed themselves from any sort of you know conversation about playoffs or I, I don't know even bowl games or whatever else is going to to occur. Just just because you're not going to have a, I mean it is a, it is a weird year, so you have to take that into consideration. But but I don't know how you do that with a team that that has a you know, maybe a three or four game schedule under their belt. And that's, you know, maybe they go, maybe they go four and oh or whatever it is or, but, but I, I just don't, I think by the way that they've managed it, they've, they've removed themselves from any post season conversation. Five and O Oregon, 10 and O BYU Fiesta Bowl, January 2nd. Are you in? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I, I think that could be, I mean, that is as compelling a story as anything else, isn't it? I mean, you take a, because both sides would be screaming about it, you know, uh, an undefeated BYU team and Hey, we have 10 games under our belt. We are clearly the superior program and Oregon is saying, you know, well, even with five games, we'll, you know, we're going to show you what football is all about. So, I, I actually, now that you put it that way, that could be a compelling match. And I love to see, you know, you know, a two-win Utah because they only had two games on their schedule take on a ten and zero BYU and <laughs> some bowl game at the end of the year. Oh yeah, man, that would be sweet for our perspective, and that's all I care about. Well, not all that I care about. I mean, but ninety-nine percent of what I care about. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the other guy I care I, I have compassion a little bit not a lot but but a little bit 
One of the things that uh, was sort of swept under the rug here a little bit with uh, the game being canceled and all this stuff is the fact that Kyle re-upped for another four years to 2027. Now, if I'm betting, I don't think there's any way he's coaching in 2027, but he has that opportunity. Uh, he talked about it during the uh, his media availability that it sends a message to the continuity of the program. What do you think about that as far as them extending him to the point where he would be 67 years old? Well, it's interesting because I I was always under the impression that he wasn't going to coach or he didn't feel like he was going to coach much past, you know, uh, his his early 60s. Um, so that's, I guess that's something to, to consider. I, I, I wonder if the, the inability to coach because of this virus um, has changed his mind about that, and maybe he thought, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to coach as long as I can. I know what it's like when I'm not coaching. I'm not, I don't like it. So that, that, could, play, that could play a role in it. Um, but, uh, you know, I think you mentioned something, an undertone about the, the contract extension that is valuable, uh, especially with, with recruiting, and that, and that is the continuity of the program. When you have stability, I think that lends itself to, to you know, going out and finding and acquiring talent. And so as much as anything else, that is, that, you know, that's probably something to consider with, with the contract extension is that this is this among all the, you know, the programs in the PAC 12, this is among, or maybe even the most stable. For all the stability, there are surprises. And a couple weeks ago, we Kyle at his media availability, which we are live on our show now because he's doing it at 8.30 in the morning. It's a new schedule for him, but nonetheless, sure works out for us. All of a sudden, and, and I thought the U was getting good tight end play at the, at the end of last year. I thought Cole Fotheringham made some plays. Um, yeah. And then the last third of the season, right. Keithy really came on, and it seemed like a guy yeah. who I didn't really – have on my radar at all in the early third of the season, kind of emerged in the middle, and then the last third he was dominating. So the last thing I expected was for Kyle to talk about a transfer from the University of San Diego, Dalton Kincaid. I had to look him up and get the backstory. I didn't know anything. But Kyle made it sound like this guy's going to be able to get on the field and contribute right away, which surprises me because they already got guys who can get on the field and contribute. What do you know about him? What do you think? What's the backstory? What can you fill in? Yeah, well, I, I you know, I think it's, it, you know, there, there, it's interesting that he transferred to Utah, um, and I think he transferred. He may have transferred to Utah just based on last season, what he saw out of the tight end play last season, and thought, well, you know, there's there, that place gives me a great opportunity. I know he's super athletic. Um, I know that Coach Whittingham is very high on him. Uh, he's, I, I mean, it's one of those situations where he's going to have to be extraordinarily good to compete for time, stepping, you know, stepping in from another program and, and now trying to learn a new offense and a new scheme with, with a couple guys who are very talented and who have worked under Andy Ludwig for, for a year. 
I, and and so I, I am. I, I don't. I don't know. Maybe I'm not shocked by it, but I'm. You know, it raises my eyebrows when when Coach Whittingham gives such a, a glowing report of a, of a guy that's coming into a position group that I put as um, the second most. Well, th- there's three position groups on the offense that I feel you know are are really well tuned for the season. That's the offensive line. I, I really like the the talent. At the, at the running back position, maybe a little untested, but I really like the talent back there. And I feel really strongly about the tight end group. I think there's a question mark about the quarterbacks, and I, st- I still think there's a question mark about the, the, the wide receiving group. Uh, so, so I put in the top three on the offensive side the tight end group. And so to be able to break into that, into that mix, I, I think that's fairly extraordinary. As far as the continuity in the program, <clears throat> who knows what's going to happen down the line, obviously. But we know that Utah State has an opening, and it'll be interesting to see what they do. I'm of the belief that in the state of Utah, because it's a, you know, a little peculiar, it's a little different. Uh, yeah, I mean, you don't have to be a member of the, of the, of the LDS faith to, to thrive in this community, but you certainly have to be aware of it and what, what it's about. So my point is that I think that it's best for these programs to hire what I call one of their own. Now, Gary Anderson wasn't necessarily a Utah State guy, but he was a state of Utah guy, and he helped rebuild them, and he did rebuild that program. And you got Kyle, who obviously is state of Utah. Kalani, obviously state of Utah. Jay Hill, obviously state of Utah. And these guys are having incredible success. So my thought is for Utah State in the short term when they go and make their hire, and then in the long term, however long Kyle coaches, to try to keep it to one of your own in this state because you got to know the inner workings of the state in order to be successful. And I realize Urban Meyer took the world by storm, and there's an exception to everything. But even going back to Ron McBride, he obviously had a working knowledge of the state. What do you think about that as far as the so-called one of your own as far as hiring to lead your football programs? I think the state is uh, is unique in in that way. Uh, and understanding the culture a little bit of the of the state, um, and you know, I, I I say you know, hiring one of your own. Let's just look at a recent example of of Ed Orgeron, who was at USC, and probably, as we look back on it, probably should have been the next not just the interim coach, but the next USC head coach. And then USC decided to kind of stick to that program a little bit. Maybe not one of your own necessarily, but one that looks like your own, I guess. <laughs> it was the USC philosophy, and they let Orgeron go. And then he turned out, you know, at, at uh, LSU, and he's done a fantastic job. Maybe not as much this year, but but he's, he's done really well there. So, um I think there's an argument to be made for, for that one of your own. We've seen that within the state. Um, but at the, at where college football sits currently, I think you just have to go and find the most talented guy available. And if he happens to be one of your own, then that, then that works out pretty well. Um, 
And if not, then, then maybe you're just going to get a really good coach anyway. So I, I, I still think that, that there's this fraternity in college football uh, and, and specifically within conferences that, that guys like to, if they grew up in a conference and that's where they like to be and that's where their comfort level is and that's where they, and, and maybe that is just that the culture is why we seem to have this, you know, success of, of people hiring their own is because people just never leave. So you have your own available all the time. That's the call. That's the, that's the culture of college football. But I do, I do agree with you that this, this state is unique and understanding the culture of this state is unique. And that's probably helpful in terms of bringing talent in and being successful as a head coach. So let's remove out of the realm of the theoretical, which is interesting, but let's get right down to the ground level. Jay Hill's sitting right there at Weber State. He is one unlike anything we have seen at Weber State. Their three-year run isn't remotely comparable to anything else we've seen. Why not go get him? Uh, I think Jay Hill is the, is the next big thing um, for sure. And I, I feel the same way. Why not? Why not go get him? Uh, and I think it's going to take a lot to, you know, <laughs> Jay Hill has this unbelievable loyalty and compassion for for Weber State. Um, and so I think it's going to take a lot to, to it's going to have to be the re- really uh, the, the right situation and, you know, everything, all the stars kind of align to remove him because that place has been meaningful to him and he's been meaningful to that place and, and to his family. So... Uh, but I do think that Jay Hill is the guy, as I look across the landscape, I'm sure you could go out and – I'm sure they will. They'll go out and find some hot offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, some guy that, you know, people are talking about, whatever, and, and maybe make a run. But, but, but Jay Hill, just based on what, you know, the, 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 the content of his character, what he's done at, you know, his ability to influence a program that has – traditionally had difficulties um, and the leadership and I, I just think that there's there's nobody better than than that guy to go and lead Utah State yeah I agree man if I'm Utah State I beg him to come and uh, the stuff he did with with Weber was just absolutely phenomenal and I would see no reason why he couldn't do it at the Mountain West level at Utah State so I don't know that he necessarily wants it but uh, if I'm Utah State, I would love to have him. We'll see how it plays out. If Even if Utah gets another game that's uh, canceled, if, say, they only play, you know, you, we joked about the, a 3-0 and uh, Utah team playing a 10-0 and BYU team and all that. And I still think, though, that no matter how many games they play, that in terms of next year, given the, uh, so many guys who don't have as much playing experience, I still think there's some great value in this season, no matter how many games they play, to really set them up for next season to really make a strong run, obviously at the division, but more than that, the conference race as a whole and winning the whole thing. Well, there there is certainly value. Uh, It's just, it's such a strange, it's such an odd year. Um that that we feel i i don't know i i feel, I, I don't know how to feel about the, the the football season in fact um i'm i'm usually a guy that 
that is tuning in to as many games as possible every weekend. And to be quite honest, I may just kind of catch a bit of a game here and there, follow up with it, highlights later on. Um, but the, the whole, you know, the whole college landscape has been, in, and, you know, what society we're going through right now has been so odd that I, uh, I find myself interested, as interested in everything else that's happening as, as I usually am in, in college football. And I, I, I'm guessing there's a lot of people that, that are feeling that way. So um, it's not that this year is, is meaningless. And, and, I, and, you know, I, I'd like to see these conferences, and I think conferences have done it in, in some ways, you know, figure out a way to get these guys on the field and competing and, and just for the health of, of the kids and for, for our communities. I think it's helpful um, to, to have these, these kinds of activities. So, um, I, you know, I don't know what my answer is to that. <laughs> To your comment, I, it's it, it's just such an odd year. I don't. I I, I really don't know. I'm, I'm going to have to sit back and kind of ponder this whole thing afterwards. I really don't know how I feel about the whole landscape currently. So I'm kind of ignoring the current landscape and thinking that off what I've read and what I've heard, <laughs> the Utes have a lot of talent. And it kind of backs up the way the program's been trending. Kyle spotlighted a few guys, a few guys we did see last year. I've heard good things about some of these guys coming in, but we haven't seen anything. So my question is, is three, four, or five games enough of a time period of making mistakes and learning from them, making big plays, and getting the confidence like, hey, I'm a playmaker at this level. I, I change games. I make. I can get a big pick. I can strip. I can, uh, you know, strip a quarterback and get a strip sack and and uh, and flip the field. I can score a big touchdown. Getting that level of confidence in guys and eliminating the mistakes that the Utes will be ready to hit the ground running next September. Assuming that that is a traditional football season and they will be back ready to win nine or ten games at minimum and contend for a conference title at minimum, just if they could get three or four or five games under the belt this year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think I align with that. Um, is, is, you know, Utah went through this, this funny year. Um, it was, it was right before, it was the year before coach Winningham took his, his team to the sugar bowl. And in that season, it was a difficult season. I can't remember what they ended up. Maybe they ended up with, they were, you know, They were 9-4. and four. I know what you're talking about. They started 1-3, and three, had a big win over UCLA, but got humiliated and shut out at UNLV, and then went 8-9 and nine and lost, uh, uh, gave up a long pass to Austin Colley on 4th down, 4th and 18, 4th and 17, whatever it was. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, yeah I'm but not sure why stage. you had to bring that up. Yeah, it set the stage, yeah. though. So I, I think that adversity, they, and, and they had a bunch of injuries that year. Um, but, but I think that going through that kind of trial really set the stage, like you said, for the following year. And they went undefeated, and, yep. and they had a lot of players coming back, and, and this camaraderie, and, and it, was a, it was a fantastic football team. I still think the 2004 team was a better team, but... but, but but that 2008 team was was really good. Uh, so, so I think there's absolutely something to be said for getting through four or five games if you can, 
and grinding through it and and figuring out that you can you can play and figuring out your weaknesses as well and building those into strengths in the off season um, and and not to not to, not not to forget that you know there's a there's a handful of these guys that have potential to to make a living to earn a living playing professional football and and so these guys need to be on tape i mean scouts need to need to be able to see these guys and so you know out outside of just the playing a college football season because it's good for kids and good for health and good mental health and everything else outside of all that you know you're you, 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 I think you'd want to figure out if there's a way to get these kids, you know, put, kind of put their resume on film. And so, there, you know, there's another reason to try and figure this thing out. And I think, you know, even with the, even with the COVID and, and the, the rising case numbers, we're still seeing, you know, really good signs of supremely low mortality rates in this age group. I think that's very encouraging. And so, I think there is some science that says, yeah, yeah, you can figure out a way to get through a a football season, even if it's half a football season. Well, Frank, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for checking in. Man, these conversations, you know, in the midst of this craziness have been really interesting, even more interesting than they have been in the past. So I appreciate, appreciate you guys letting me come on and jabber with you for a little few minutes. Well, we appreciate having you on. Thanks, Frank. Thanks, you guys. Talk to you soon.